0: G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate.
1: And that's the horror junkie, Dominic.
0: And you're listening to Shit and Bricks.
1: A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff.
0: The sort of fear your arsehole knows about.
1: As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast.
0: Alright, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it.
1: Hi, Kate. Hi, Dominic. How are you today?
0: I'm good. My voice just broke. I think I just hit puberty. So, woo. Oh,
1: congratulations. <laughs> I'm glad I could be here for that moment. That's fantastic.
0: Oh, bound to A happen. little late,
1: but better late than never.
0: <laughs> Why do I have the body of a 30-something-year-old, but I just hit puberty?
1: I was watching, I've started watching uh, 30 Rock again, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> the... One of Jack Donaghy's great lines is, rich 50 is middle class 38. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're rich and 50, you'll look the same as a 38-year-old middle class. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think you're like, you're, a, you're at least a rich 30-something, but you look like. A tw- Wait, I've messed that up. I can't do mathematics, okay? It's not good for me. Numbers are not good for me. This
0: isn't a, this isn't a math um, podcast, so we are not expected to be good at math.
1: You're right. That's it. So if you were on Spotify searching shitting bricks, expecting a mathematics, physics, scientific podcast, believe it or not, this is not the one for you.
0: <laughs> How many bricks does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs> I, I can't do math.
1: <laughs> that old, that classic phrase. Oh my goodness. How are you doing? All right. I'm doing well. I am, I'm hot. It's hot today. It's muggy. I was explaining to Dominic before we started recording that I'm, I'm a sweaty person. That's it boys, line up. I'm a sweaty gal and I'm hot in the humidity and it's, it's driving me. Bit crazy, but I'll. You know what? I'll survive. You will I'll survive.
0: survive. <laughs> <laughs> Our ass cheeks are glued together.
1: That's it. That's all right. No, it wouldn't be the first time. So, <laughs> that's a good segue. <laughs> Not my ass cheeks being but, <laughs> 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 but the fact that it's hot because today is the weather part two episode.
0: Yay! So, woo! You've all been waiting so, for it.
1: <laughs> exactly, you've been hanging out. Now, when I did weather part one, I enjoyed it so much, but there was only so many stories that you can tell or examples that you can bring up in one episode. So, we got to the end of that and I thought I haven't even, I haven't even touched on some of the other, mm. you know, significant weather events that are out there. So, we have to do a weather part two. And, and here it is, we, we got uh, involved in some other episodes which were also fantastic, uh, but now it's time. I thought I'll put the work in and here we go, weather part two.
0: I'm very excited. Yes, there is so much to discuss around this area that is very freaking scary. And I know it sounds a bit cliche, but I have to say, I think weather is becoming more and more of a um, relevant topic these days, so.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm, what was once abnormal is now being a little bit more <laughs> frequent in a a real scary way. So I know there are people out there that are genuinely frightened and fearful, A, of the future, but also just of general weather. So.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Now you may all remember, and Dom, you would know that my least favorite element is wind. Mm -hmm. So wind is my least. So Linka from Captain Planet, for any of you that have seen Captain Planet, Linka was wind. Uh, She would not be my friend. No. Or maybe she would be if she can control it. But the fact is she can summon up like gale force winds. It's not really something that I have on my friendship list. Uh, but <laughs> with that in mind, today I'm going to tell you a little bit about hurricanes and tsunamis. Those are the two weather events that I'm going to talk about today. I was going to talk about dust storms and I was going to talk about, uh, you know, A whole bunch of different things as well, but I just, we run out of time. So I thought I'm going to restrict myself a little bit this time and tell you some stories about hurricanes and tsunamis.
0: Come on boundaries. (laughs)
1: Let's do it. Uh, so strap yourself in. Uh, the first thing though, usually with my stories is, uh, I like to share what the phobia may be Mm -hmm. around some of the things that we discuss. So the phobia, uh, for this particular episode that we're looking at is anemophobia, but it's also some co- sometimes called anchroaphobia. Mm-hmm. and that is a catch-all term that encompasses a wide variety of air-related phobias. Oh, so yeah, some people are afraid of drafts or gusty winds. I'm a gusty wind gal, <laughs> uh, and so. <laughs> but some people fear swallowing air, which is called aerophagia. What a, a a phobia? Yeah, where you fear swallowing air, which I'm not sure. If that's, you know, breathing, mm. but it, or if it's the actual sort of like a gulp of air or I don't know, but that is another phobia, okay. which is to do with with air, air-related phobias. All right. No judgment so, out
0: there. People have none. got their things. But uh, if
1: you, yeah, if you have any of those phobias, I'm going to be talking about, uh, yeah, things that might, may be triggering. So just keep that in mind <laughs> because we're talking about hurricanes and tsunamis. Uh, so... The first thing, hurricanes. Let's start off with hurricanes. Usually when I do my research for these episodes, uh, I start off, you know, with a very high-tech method where I put that weather event into Google. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I typed hurricanes and pressed enter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're letting out all don't, of our secrets, Kate. <laughs> I'm so
1: sorry. I'm sorry. Now, I know that sounds highbrow, uh, but stay with me. You know, we can't, we're not all PhDs. Uh, whatever i use the google so the first thing that pops up when you put hurricanes in is the hobart hurricanes which is a cricket team <laughs> here in australia but, but when you scroll down you know on google there's the people also ask mm. box so these questions that people also ask i assume they're from human beings but i can't be 100 percent sure because maybe they're more primary school kids questions. But what I really think is the people also ask box is actually an alien civilization asking questions to understand what humans do and what it would be like to live on earth. That's how I picture it.
0: For the inevitable Um, sort of invasion, they need to know what they're doing and what to watch out for. I mean, aliens are not going to come down and try and take over a city if it's currently being pounded by a hurricane
1: exactly Probably well they, you, they might they might think it's just a cricket team so maybe'll they'll be, they'll be here <laughs> but in the people also ask box for hurricanes the first question is why do hurricanes exist <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey look you know what? It's a good place to start because there are some people that probably just don't know. and They
1: don't know, yeah. And um, I mean, the second then people also ask, is who owns the Hobart Hurricanes? Um, but I thought, I'll stay on weather. Why do hurricanes exist? Now, I thought that was going to be the highlight of me clicking this link.
0: But, <laughs> wait, out, there's but wait,
1: there's more. There's more. There, it gets better. If you click on the link that was associated with that question, I went to a website. Now, there was an article that was titled Why do hurricanes hit the east coast of the U.S., but never the west coast? So that's the title of this article where you're taken about why do hurricanes exist? A researcher. Now, this is a mouthful and I have practiced it, but I'll mess it up. Dollars to donuts. A researcher at the Atlantic Oceanographic and Meteorological Laboratory, Hurricane Research Division of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, mm-hmm. uh, which that is located in Miami, Florida. Now, he had the answer to this question. That's the researcher He works for this company. I'm not going <laughs> to read it again. <laughs> the
0: A-O-B-D-I-A, blah, blah. <laughs> whatever <Yeah>. it was.
1: <laughs> All the alphabets. NOAA, let's call it NOAA. Now, this researcher's name And this meteorologist's name is Christopher W. Landsea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you're listening, Christopher, we love you. We're a massive fan. Oh, my
1: God. His name is Landsea. Now, he studies hurricanes which occur on both the land and the sea. How good is that? Amazing. So I was so pleased that this is the name of this researcher. It
0: has to be correct. Everything he says must be right. It has to be right.
1: It's like has he taken the piss did he have that name and then decide to be a meteorologist or did it just work i i swear he's like purposely gone and done this uh we will put a photo of him on our socials because when i google image searched him he has the cutest little shirt on that's got sharks and stuff on it it's just it's flipping adorable so we'll put him on the socials but chris lancey Thank you very much yeah. for being you. Actually, amazing.
0: let's put this down on paper now. If we ever become successful enough in this podcast, Kate, to tour the US, yeah. we will come to a show in Miami and we will invite this Christopher Lancy to come as our special guest.
1: Please, that would be incredible. And if perchance Chris you are listening, <laughs> please hit us up, uh, send us a DM, an email. we'd love to hear from you because you look fabulous. Your answer to the question was really good, which I will get to for those that uh, you know have that in the, the back of their minds. Uh, but he seems like a really cool dude. So Chris, hit us up.
0: We'll tag That's you art. in on Instagram on all of our posts. We'll, we'll, let's yeah, stalk him and let's yeah. let's see if we can... This is our test. Let's see if we can actually get a celebrity because I assume Amazing. Christopher Letts is a celebrity.
1: I assume <laughs> he is certainly now. Absolutely. Uh, now, his answer to that question, for those that are concerned about us answering the question as to why hurricanes hit the East Coast, uh, not so much the West Coast, hurricanes do exist outside of the West Coast of the States, but the way that the... Uh, essentially currents the air that generally push out towards the ocean Mm. whereas on the east coast and when it's sort of more northeast coast the pressure systems and the way that the weather patterns occur up there tend to push it uh west so hits land more often than not makes sense so there you go chris lancy if you i mean we can i can pop the link for that uh, up as well so if you really want to read more of a detailed answer that was my very basic awful response but enjoy it. At least it gives you a little bit of, uh, closure on that. Okay. So we've gotten past Chris Lancy. Thank you to the person who asked why the hurricanes exist. Uh, you know, though, that I always like to find a story that's usually related to film or television Mm -hmm. so that I can, I can add this into our episodes. The story I'm going to talk to you about is a story about a fishing trawler called the Andrea Gale. I'm familiar. Yes. In 1991, a catastrophic storm swept the northeastern coast of the U.S. It was wreaking havoc along the coast of Massachusetts. The storm had no name. Afterward, it gained the title of the Perfect Storm, and inspired a movie of the same name. Shout out to George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg—they were in that film. Uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, uh, recommend it's—it's mm. it's, yeah, it's an interesting movie. It's almost as if. Kind of nothing happens, but a lot happens. It's kind of one of those ones. Uh, but the real perfect storm was apparently an event of th- so three weather systems mm. that collided in the air over the North Atlantic at the time. Mm. So up in that top, you know, right-hand corner of the states. It made landfall suddenly and no one anticipated its hurricane-strength devastation, with those on land feeling the effects but those at sea having a first-hand account of the strengths of the wind and the rain. Mm-hmm. The conditions that created the perfect storm resulted in a fatal 100 foot or 30 meter wave. And tragically, the Andrea Gale and her crew of six was lost at sea. Now, recently we did an episode about heights. So 100 feet, 30 meters. Mm -hmm. I am going to put this to bed. (laughs) today okay we are going to get some real life examples of what 100 feet or 30 meters looks like so that all of our listeners can picture that and any time henceforth they can think of those measurements as we're <laughs> moving through because <laughs> uh, no doubt we'll do one on heights i'd love to do an episode on heights that's you know one of my fears as well so let's just get these real world examples in people's brains so that they're able to picture exactly what i mean by a 100 foot wave cool Okay. Firstly, shout out to my dad, John. He's a carpenter and a house builder extraordinaire. So I called him the other day and I said, Dad, I'm trying to tell people how high up something is. So can you tell me about like what a, a two-story house? How high is a two-story house? So he said from the concrete slab to the top pitch of the roof is approximately seven meters. Yeah. I thought it was a lot higher in my mind, but this is good. This is why we talk about these things. So it's approximately three metres per storey plus the pitch of the roof Mm -hmm. and that adds an additional metre or bit on top. To picture 30 metres, so 100 feet, that is four two-storey houses stacked on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So if you live in a neighbourhood that has a two-storey house or if you live in one yourself, go and stand outside this morning, tonight, whenever you're home and think this plus another three stacked on top. That's quite a picture yeah. that if you're standing at the base of a wave and that's how tall it is, no wonder the Andrea Gale perished. Yes, uh, Insane. Now, if you've never seen a two-story house, possible, <laughs> here's another example for you. You may or may know I'm a fan of the AFL, Australian Football League football. The next time you go to a game at a professional stadium, the goalposts, so the ones for the big scores, not the little ones, they are 15 metres tall. So if you put two of those on top of each other, that's 100 feet. Yeah. That's roughly, you know, your 30 metres. Uh, if you've never been to Australia, if you've never seen the AFL, that's okay also. A Holden Commodore <laughs> VE, <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a sedan vehicle. That's approximately 4.9 metres long. So if you flip that on its nose and stack 6.2 Holden Commodores on top of each other, <laughs> that's... That's 100 feet, that's about 30 metres. So, if you're standing at the base of 6.2 Holden Commodores, this is the kind of scale that we're looking at, yep. all right? If you've never seen a two-story house, been to an AFL match or know what a sedan is, a bottle of wine is approximately <laughs> 30 centimetres tall. <laughs> now, that is an average height and it doesn't include a taller style bottle like a Riesling or a Magnum or something. <laughs> A standard bottle of white wine or red wine is 30 centimetres. So, you have to picture 1,000 bottles of wine stacked on top of each other and that's what we're looking at in terms of the height of this wave. So that's where we're at. If you are not able to picture the height of this wave based on those uh, exceptional real world examples, then I can't help you. I can't. I really can't. I tried to give you all of the ones that I thought were the best. And uh, yeah, you're on your own now.
0: Oh my but goodness, that Kate. Is...
1: <laughs> Those were the examples I found.
0: I was, as you were starting the wine bottle... <clears throat> analogy, just yeah. take a breath. Cause I feel like that maybe sure, you took yeah. yourself out of it. I was
1: just tickled by that. When I was writing that I was pretty tickled <laughs> as you
0: were saying the wine bottles, I went to go look at what's the standard height of a Vegemite jar. Like, cause you're giving all oh, these wow, of course. Aussie classic Aussie examples or, you know, points of reference. And I thought Vegemite jars too, but then you beat me to it, a bottle of wine.
1: Oh, a bottle of wine. But then, yeah, I would uh, look, to be honest, I'd imagine a Vegemite would be what, maybe 15 centimeters. So again, so 2000 Vegemites, let's call it that.
0: Um,
1: So if you happen to have 2000 Vegemites on you, go and lay them out in the park and then (laughs) like lay next to it, get someone to take a drone photo, send it to us. It's a simple request. I don't know how much more simple I can get about my requests no. for our pod. Thank
0: you for educating us, Kate. I feel very You're enlightened.
1: Welcome. Excellent. But we're putting a pin anytime I mention um, heights, that's, that's, that's your examples. You can go back to that. Uh, I'll try and create maybe even like a little scale to pop on our, our pod <laughs> socials. All right, now back to the Andrea Gale. The Andrea Gale is a fishing trawler and it's set out from Gloucester on what was meant to be a month-long fishing trip off the coast of Newfoundland. Uh, Newf- Newfoundland?
0: <laughs> Newfoundland? <laughs> okay. Yes, let's do that.
1: Newfoundland. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how they said it in that musical, Come From Away. Wasn't it there?
0: Newfoundland.
1: Um, Newf- Newf- Newfoundland. I think Newfoundland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, that trip off the coast of Newfoundland covered approximately uh, 900 miles, which is 1,440 kilometres, which is driving to Melbourne and Sydney and back. Uh, now what they didn't know is the storm that was heading up that coast would take the lives of 13 people and cause millions of dollars of damage from Florida all the way up to Nova Scotia. So we are talking the very bottom of that coast mm. of that East coast, all the way up to the very top, uh, winds from the storm, reach strengths of 120 miles an hour. That's just over 190 kilometers. Uh, now wind is a little bit harder to put into context. But by golly, am I going to give it a go? Oh, here we go. It might be hard for you to think about it in terms of a real life scenario. Here it is. To measure wind, we use what's called the Beaufort Scale. I only know about the Beaufort Scale because of Billy Joel's song, Stormfront, from his Stormfront album. (laughs) But that's a whole other episode of a pod. (laughs) Forget it. I gave you a rundown of the Fujita Scale in Weather Part 1. Now, that is wind that's relating to tornadoes. Uh... The Beaufort scale which ranges from zero being calm, so if it's calm smoke from a fire would rise vertically and there's little to no drift, all the way up to a 12 which is hurricane force winds over 120 kilometers an hour. They overturn RVs, they uproot trees and rip roofs off houses, so that's pretty pretty fast. So 75 miles an hour which is 120 kilometers an hour. Mm-hmm. Now real world Real life. Let's real chat. Real, chat, real chat The average wind speed of a hairdryer <laughs> is 40, <laughs> is 40, 40 miles per hour, which, believe it or not, on a Beaufort scale is an eight. So that's a gale force wind, 40 miles an hour. Now, that's measuring it from its highest speed and from about an inch away from the nozzle. Yep. So you've got to be pretty close, and it's a small condensed, you know. So, But you can see how your hair blows when you're using a blow dryer. That's gale force wins uh so to get an idea of what the andrea gale was copying out on the ocean or what people along that east coast of the states and all the way up to nova scotia imagine that you set up three ginormous hairdryers (laughs) yep (laughs) easy to picture and you stand in front of them and they're blowing at top speed you know you're standing like you know a meter or two away boom that's that's Gale force winds. That's what we're looking at. Your really blow
0: really your blow weave or whatever, like you'll look <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs>
1: you'll look amazing <laughs> it's Oh, now I'm sure you uh, that's the only example I'm gonna provide, because I'm sure you can just you can get it based on the Beaufort scale. That's fine. Uh, but that was the only thing I could really find and I thought, why not? Mm. I'll give it a crack. So there you go. Uh back to the perfect storm. After this storm was smashing the coast, no communication was heard from the Andrea Gale, which was right at the centre of the storm. After that storm, uh, the search was called off in a matter of 10 days. Mm -hmm. So they did search for the vessel, they did search for the crew, but the the search was called off. The last that anyone heard from the Andrea Gale was communication between Captain Billy Tyne and Captain Linda Greenlaw. Now, she was the captain of the Andrea Gale's sister ship called the Hannah Bowden. During the communication, Tyne gave Greenlaw his location, which is how the last known approximate location of the Andrea Gale was recorded. Mm -hmm. To this day, the trawler, its crew, uh, they've never been recovered. So they never found the, the ship. They never found anybody, which is, yeah, it's really sad. I'm sure that that would be really challenging for their families and loved ones. And they went out on the, on their fishing trip and then Never came back. Yeah. Uh, It is believed that the ship encountered huge waves and strong gale to hurricane speed winds anywhere between a 9 and a 12 on the Beaufort scale. If you have seen the film, you'll be able to picture a little bit about what I'm talking about. There was that scene that terrified me. uh, And it's when that rogue wave or the giant wave does appear. Mm. So this is the 100 foot. 30-meter, 6.2 VE Commodores. Uh, They try to drive their boat up it. They try to sort of, you know, battle it as best they can, but it doesn't end very well because the boat is essentially vertical Mm. uh, and then flips over on itself. Uh, What I found was even worse, and this absolutely could just be artistic license, but in the film, you know, no one was there to actually, no one's survived to tell the tale, but in the film there were crew members in the engine room Mm. of the boat and when it tipped, the metal door to leave that room slammed shut and the pressure of the water, they could not escape. So they were, that was it. There's that one door was to get out of this area in the boat. Uh, so they were completely trapped. And they had time to think about the fact that they were trapped as the water rose. And that was it. That was going to be their grave. Hmm. Like that would, that's, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Um, because I don't like the idea of that. They just have to you just have to resign to the fact that you're you're done. Yeah. You're gonna drown. We've
0: talked about this before in other episodes, right? Where mm. you know, fear of death and all those sorts of things, there's sometimes a blessing of it happening instantly and you're not left to ponder these things. Yeah. It's the it's the anticipation, it's the waiting and all, and all that sort of stuff. So it is a sad movie. I cry every time that I watch it, but it is such a well directed, well, everything. Wolfgang Peterson, amazing director, he directed it, and um, yeah, it's, it's a great story.
1: Yeah, I really Sad enjoyed story. that. Now, the bizarre thing about the Andrea Gale, which is a, a fact that I learned whilst doing a bit of this research, uh, is that her last position that was notified to the Coast Guard, it is believed to have sunk in a very similar location to the Titanic.
0: (gasps) I was just about to say, (laughs) if you're going to tell me that, Kate, (laughs) I am gooped and gagged and thrown for a loop right now because... mm.
1: Now, I talk about a Titanic connection in a few episodes, but this one I have a little bit more evidence than <laughs> I have had previously <laughs> because I didn't want to drop that and get you excited and not have some, <laughs> some evidence to back it up. Now, when the Titanic sank, she was undiscovered for years until Dr. Robert Ballard and his team found her again. Her final resting place, the Titanic, is 41 degrees, 44 minutes north, 49 degrees, 57 minutes west. Mm-hmm. So you can put those, co- those uh, coordinates into Google. Now, if you compare that to the last known location of the Andrea Gale, it is 44 degrees north, 56.4 degrees west. They are just a few hundred miles from each other. So I've gone ahead and done the work for you. And I did put that into Google Maps. I've made a map and you can see precisely where those two locations are. Now that doesn't mean the Andrea Gale is there, Mm. but that was the last known location. It's pretty close. It's really, they're really not far. Uh, so yeah, you can have a bit of a look at that map and, and see that the Andrea Gale was in the same vicinity as the Titanic.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for those that don't know, they're two very different sized boats made of very different <laughs> yes. materials. Correct. Finding the Titanic was hard enough, let alone trying to find a little fishing trawler that, yeah. That's right. I, the, yeah. The, the chances of A, it surviving and yeah where it is
1: (laughs) and with that sort of weather as well and how they were discussing you know it's it it was three different weather events converging in the exact place that they are so i felt like the the film did a really good job because they show the you know the meteorologist's computer screen Mm. which i've taken a screenshot of that as well uh to add on our socials but they then zoom in into kind of real life so they go into and you can you know visibly Uh, identify that path of the storm converging and yeah the the fishing trawler didn't stand a chance it's it would be very surprising to me if it wasn't just completely smashed up Mm. from you know being in that sort of weather so that is the story of the andrea gale that gives you a bit of a rundown of hurricanes Mm. i mean that was really kind of one one example there are so many uh that that I could talk about. But that was just that one and it was really, you know, I thought about the perfect storm straight away because that is pretty terrifying and it was certainly a hurricane mixed with additional tropical storms and yeah, everything. All of the wrong things at the wrong time, essentially, if you were the Andrea Gale.
0: And you know, you and I always talk about the fact that we, we very try to be very sensitive in these, in these episodes. I think if we'd done something on Hurricane Katrina, even though we are not from the United States, it is still really recent and raw, I think, as a topic. Um, so probably best that we didn't go too deep into that. And I'm sure that there are plenty of podcasts out there that have done a great job of it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you know that my my vibe is always, you know, pop, pop culture mm. mixed with some of the research that we do. So I, it's very difficult to tell a story about something like Hurricane Katrina, when again, you know, I didn't know enough. So I would want to put in the time to be able to do it justice. But ultimately I thought I'm going to stick with something that I'm, you know, it's a little more in my wheelhouse. Let's go for the the pop culture style of things. And yeah, uh, yeah, that was was kind of the vibe, but I know what you mean. There's so many examples out there and hurricanes do exist. Mm. That's the answer to that (laughs) initial question (laughs) from Google. They do, they just do because they do, okay? I'll ask Chris Lancey, we'll get it sorted, and uh, he'll be our first official guest.
0: <laughs> in Miami. Our
1: celebrity guest, yeah, <laughs> in Miami. All right, so that is my little break on, on uh, hurricanes. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is, our ah, tsunamis. Mm. I have a couple of examples that I found. Now, a bit of a rundown, because I find tsunamis quite uh, fascinating also terrifying, similar to a hurricane, similar to a tornado. Uh, here is a bit of a rundown from Nat Geo, one of my favourite websites to go to. They always give you some decent bite-sized information that I'm able to understand. So thank you, Nat Geo. A tsunami is a series of ocean waves that send surges of water, sometimes reaching heights of over 100 feet, 30 metres, we all know how to <laughs> like onto land. These walls of water can, uh, can cause widespread destruction when they crash ashore. The awe-inspiring waves are typically caused by undersea earthquakes at tectonic plate boundaries. Mm. So when the boundaries or the tectonic plates, they hit each other or they rise and fall suddenly, then it displaces the water above and starts the rolling wave. Uh, Tsunamis can also be caused by underwater landslides or volcanic eruptions. I'm going to touch on volcanic eruptions in a little bit. But they can even be launched, as they frequently were in Earth's past, by the impact of a large meteorite Mm -hmm. smashing into the ocean. Again, we've discussed asteroids, meteorites. We know the score. This bit got me. I really... I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Tsunamis travel across the sea at 805 kilometers an hour. So that's as fast as a jet plane. So they will, like, holy shit. Yep. Uh, at that pace, they can cross the entire expanse of the Pacific Ocean in less than a day. Yeah. So... The, they start. I'm just really distressed.
0: It's not fair.
1: <laughs> really distressed. So they start. They travel as fast as a jet plane. And because their waves are really long, they don't lose much energy at all. Mm. So it's not like a tornado that just puffs itself out or a hurricane that runs out of either the ocean or the tropical, you know, uh, patterns to keep it going. Tsunamis are just like, see ya bitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's coming. Gone. Okay. A tsunami's trough, so the low point of the uh, tsunami beneath the wave's crest, they often reach the shore first. When it does, it produces a vacuum Mm -hmm. that sucks the coastal water seaward and exposes the harbour and sea floors. This retreating of seawater is an important warning sign because the wave's crest and its enormous volume of water typically hit shore five or so minutes later. So you, if you are standing on a beach, if you are at St Kilda having an Aperol spritz <laughs> and all of a sudden you can see just sand for as far as, <laughs> as far as the, you know, horizon is, run, yeah. <laughs> take it, slam your Aperol spritz down and get across the road, like Run, yeah, because you've got about five minutes. Go
0: jump on a kangaroo because they're everywhere supposedly in Australia, totally. and ride yeah. that thing inland.
1: Ride, the- <laughs> get get in the pouch and slap that thing's <laughs> ass all the way down Ackland. Go, go past Gray Street. Chill. Off we go. Outstanding. Uh, yes. So if you see that, if you do see the the shore continue to grow, run. Uh, some tsunamis however they don't appear as a massive you know breaking wave Mm. but sometimes they can uh be a quickly surging tide that just inundates coastal areas just as devastating uh however they're just a little bit different so you're not picturing this ginormous wave it's just a surge of water so maybe it's five meters tall yeah that's still significant uh now when I was having a look up, uh, looking up tsunamis, I found a, a good news story. So I thought I'll add this in because it was something that I found fascinating and wanted to share with our listeners. Uh, but it turned into a, a bit of a good news story, which is great. So we're headed to Fudai in Japan in March 2011. And I'm going to have a chat to you about Kotaku Wamara. Now, Kotaku was the mayor of Fudai during the, uh, the 1970s. Alright, there are 3,000 residents here uh, living between the mountains and a a cove. Now they they owe their lives to this leader who saw the devastation of an earlier tsunami and made it the priority of his four-decade tenure to defend his people from the next one. He created a 51-foot floodgate between the mountainside uh, which took dozens of years to build and they spent more than $30 million in today's money. Mm. So that's kind of the, ex- the exchange rate. That gate project was criticised as completely wasteful in the 1970s. But the gate and an equally high seawall behind the community's uh, fishing port, it protected Fidai from the waves that obliterated so many other towns when a... Um, An earthquake erupted, which measured a nine on the Richter scale. Wow! So this tsunami that rushed through this town, uh, the waves rose as high as uh, 50 feet. So we're talking, you know, 15, 20 meters as watermarks on the floodgates, uh, on the floodgates towers showed that. Some of the ocean water, it did flow over these, these gates, but it caused minimal damage because the gate actually broke the tsunami's main thrust. Mm. So this wall of water, and if you can just imagine, you know, uh, four pillars essentially, so these big pillars that have gaps in between them. I will post a photo on the social, so have a look if you can't quite picture it. But as the wall of water hits that, it kind of breaks it up yeah. into, you know, four sections. So it busts up this huge you know, tsunami that's coming through. Uh, And then the two mountainsides on the side, either side of those gates, they worked as a bit of a barrier as well. The tsunami battered the White Beach Cove, leaving behind debris and fallen trees. But behind the floodgate, the village was virtually untouched. Wow. So it was completely fine because of this mayor who saw devastation and didn't want it to happen again. So forced them to build this thing and it saved the village, saved 3000 people's lives. So I thought that was a really nice, uh, you know, good news story. That's a good 30 what was a million. Little sad? Yeah, what was a little sad was that uh, that the mayor, so Kotaku, he never got to see that. He had passed away a few years prior to 2011, so he never actually saw that his, uh, yeah, that his creation had saved all of these people. But they now go and, and you know, pay tribute to his resting place and he's, yeah, the saviour of their town. So it's pretty impressive. Awesome. Now, it would be a little remiss of me to talk about tsunamis without discussing a very recent event, one that's still in progress, essentially. Uh, that's, I'm talking about the incident in Tonga. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not aware, there was a massive volcanic eruption uh, that caused a, a tsunami um, in, in Tonga. Now, to give you a bit of an idea of the volcano, uh, the explosion was heard in Samoa, which is about 840 kilometres away. The sound travelled to Fiji, which is 700 k's away. Uh, they describe sounds of thunder or the thump of the eruption. Um, was also heard in Vanuatu. And then it was also heard over 2,000 kilometres away in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. The sound arrived about two hours after the volcano erupted. A series of bangs were heard around 3:30 a.m. local time in and around Anchorage, Alaska, which is nearly 10,000 kilometers away, and that lasted about 30 minutes. Mm. And low-frequency fre- noise persisted for about two hours. Booms were heard across New Zealand and as far away as the Yukon in Canada. Wow. Yeah. So, just in that sense of how far the sound was traveling, you can only imagine the sheer. Magnitude yeah. of this volcano going off. Uh, I will include, which I found fascinating whilst I was doing this research, I hadn't seen these pictures before, but I will include on our socials too a picture of the before and the after mm. of the eruption. So satellite photographs were taken a few months before, a couple of days before, and a day after. Basically, the volcano is in the centre of an island. That is now gone. So that centre of the island where the volcano was is Friggin' gone mm. it's the where you could see the initial island it was almost like a bit of a um a batwing shape and just the outer ends of the batwing are now visible yeah that blew my mind yeah. i couldn't I, I couldn't process that i really had to dig into that to try to work out if that was true or not like if someone had just doctored a photo mm. if someone had had made it up but no it's yeah that it the satellite images oh uh, yeah so After that volcano had gone off uh, a tsunami hit Tonga soon after that and it it consisted of waves anywhere between one and two meters tall all the way up to 15 meters tall. Uh, So you can imagine the the devastation and the damage that that would have caused uh, particularly after a volcano because they were also covered in ash and yeah it was it's it's pretty terrifying in terms of what has happened over there. Uh, fortunately, Australian and New Zealand military forces, they are sending aid and supplies over there. And as I was doing this research, oh gosh, a few days ago, that had only just happened because they couldn't actually fly in there mm. because of the volcanic ash. It was really dangerous and they couldn't get in there for quite some time. So a lot of the New Zealand military were taking photos of the area with, you know, um, drones or, or their satellites just trying to get pictures of what was going on but the sheer magnitude of of this event of what the Andrea Gail crew must have been going through that's what that's what gets me is the only way that you could survive these things is early warning yeah that you can once it's once it's going once it's happening you're done we are so it just makes you really think about how truly powerless we are to those situations and that's where the fear comes from that's what Scares the bejesus out of me. Yes, and that's my weather part two (laughs) episode.
0: I have so much to say.
1: (laughs) Excellent. I realized I I got on a bit of a roll there. I didn't really give you a moment to to get any any words in edgewise So no, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay, I was so excited.
0: (laughs) Well, a couple of things. As you know, I used to live in Houston, Texas, for four years, which is in the Mm -hmm. Gulf of Mexico, and. On occasion, a hurricane does make its way through into the Gulf of Mexico. And Galveston is a very well-known coastal town in Texas, which has had some quite serious hurricane disasters. And when I lived there, we never had uh, an emergency and nothing ever came into the Gulf of Mexico. So I've never had a hurricane-first experience. But it resonates with me. And there was always this fear as a child that, they, even though we lived in Houston, that we would, we would feel the impact of a hurricane if it did actually come in. So th- that was definitely a real fear while I lived there of it. But tsunamis, I have to talk about tsunamis because they are possibly out of all my weather, you know, all the weather things that we could potentially talk about. Tsunamis are the thing I'm most afraid of. And I can bring it back to pop culture cause we love to do that. <laughs> when I first watched Deep Impact, and I know that you've mentioned it, and um, because of asteroids, yes, that never scared me. What scared me was the moment when uh, Anne Hae— is it Anne Hae? Yeah, yeah, Anne yeah, Hae and her right. husband are standing on the beach and just letting the wave hit them. And it wasn't so much the wave itself, but was seeing that scene where the water pulls back from the coast and it exposed mm-hmm. all that sand and and it that's what scares me about the ocean is all that space underneath. And then it's being exposed was like, fuck off. No, that's it. (laughs) I would have died before the the wave even hit, hit NH. I would. Yeah. No, is it Tia Leone? I think it's Tia Leone, not NH.
1: I can Google whilst you chat. Anyway,
0: that scared the hell out of me. But when we first talked about you doing something on tsunamis, I mentioned Mm -hmm. the movie, The Impossible which has yes. Naomi Watts and I think a Tom Holland. Yes. And I think an yeah. Ewan McGregor, I'm not too sure, but uh, that's a really great movie that people should go and watch because it's, it's less fantastical and it's more real. It's about a family yeah. that gets caught in, in, in that tsunami. But the last thing I wanted to mention is the fact that I've always wanted to do an episode on um, tsunami spirits. Now, this was an episode on Unsolved Mysteries. They touched upon it really lightly, and I don't think they did the the story justice. But there is many stories, and there's even a book about this, that after the recent um, uh, tsunami in Japan, all these ghosts supposedly started to appear of lost lost loved ones in Japan. And there's some very eerie accounts of these missing people and people seeing ghosts or claiming to have seen ghosts. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because I will do an episode on it, but I'm waiting for my copy of the book to arrive because it's quite complicated. And there's all this history in Japanese culture of, um, spirits and people's you know when they pass away and how they connect with loved ones and and all that sort of stuff but it's eerie because it kind of combines my fear of tsunamis and my fear of ghosts and things like that as well so a little teaser for our listeners that one day hopefully soon after i get the book and i get to read it and i really want to do this story justice i don't want to do an unsolved mysteries version of it i'm gonna gonna share some uh some accounts from people today that uh swear that they have seen ghosts of their loved ones.
1: That sounds amazing. Mm. That's like the best combination of our weather fears and our ghost fears and just creepy story fears. Yes, I wanted. To, that's I want to hear that one so bad. Like I, I'm hanging out now. I hope your book comes soon. Yes,
0: I will do it. But Kate, that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I did touch on a couple of things, uh, which, you know, I hope that's enjoyable. And at the very least, now you know how tall 100 feet is. Mm. Never to be spoken of again. You just must know.
0: The teacher in you, you always come out (laughs) with uh, something for us to walk away and we're learning. We're growing as people.
1: There you go. So if if you see the ocean leave the shore by 100 feet or more, so... Six point two VE Commodores, four houses. That's what we're talking about. Lay down your bottles of wine. If you get to fifty bottles of wine, it's time to run. Time to run because the ocean's gone out too far. So we've taught you what you need to know, and hopefully entertained you a little bit, and hopefully told you a little story, or two that uh, you know you didn't know about.
0: Mm. Well done, Kate. You're getting really, really good at this. Oh, thank you. And I have a sneaking suspicion that there might even be a weather part three one day in the future. If I use my my powers of, uh, what's it called? You know, my I read my tarot um, cards.
1: Yeah, read your tarots. <laughs> read your tarots. I think that that is certainly a possibility. As I mentioned at the top of this uh, episode, there's so many different weather phenomena and, uh, you know, events. There's heaps to talk about. Yeah. So absolutely. Are you going to give a little, uh, you know, a little tidbit on what you you might be talking about in our next episode? You want me to
0: do a little teaser? You want to... <laughs> Why don't you come around here? Just
1: flash a bit of like, <laughs> just to give us a little bit of sutton sutton Dominique.
0: I can actually, because, uh, at the very last minute I decided to completely change my topic. I got inspired, I um, i was going no i won't even tell you what i was going to do because that will come but i've decided to do i'm going to change things up because i'm obviously i'm trying to do new things instead of uh, always graphic gory stuff um i like that which i will get back to do not worry i've got a lot in the works but i decided to i've done a couple of mysteries and uh next week i'm going to try and Uh, Follow your steps a little bit, Kate, and try and educate people on some phobias. Perfect. And I'm going to go down the route of creepy crawlies.
1: Yes! Bugs. I was literally thinking about this this morning and I was like, we really need to do that. That's such a common fear. When are we going to do bugs or spiders? or? Yes, I'm so here for it. Fabulous. I definitely... Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear this one. I can't wait to put together the socials for that and have to stare at pictures of bugs that make me feel sick. Well, I've got
0: I've got the pictures for you, and I must admit Perfect. I couldn't eat my lunch while I was doing some research. It made me feel very queasy. Um, oh,
1: great. I can't wait then. That sounds like it's going to be a real... Top-notch <laughs> episode. I love it.
0: But I must say, we uh, we would have recently. I hope because I'm not too sure about our scheduling. But we would have recently asked people to write in and let us know what their fears are. Uh, yep. And that's not just a one-off thing. So you would have seen it on our socials. But if you missed out, do not fret, because guess what? It's pretty much an open call. So all you need yep. to do is start talking to us contact us comment on our posts and slide into our DMs because you know I'm available and Kate's available for any sort of you know <laughs> attention you might want to send our way as well as some topics for us to do on our uh, episodes so please do
1: Correct that sounds fantastic I will certainly do a bit of a uh, a pop quiz when I when I go back to school I might ask some of my kids what their fears are <laughs> we tend to do a bit of a uh, a roll call where I ask them a question and that might be one of them. What are, what are we afraid of? But then the problem is, if depending on the class you get, the, some of the responses you get can be quite, mm. you know, quite intense <laughs> or quite weird. <laughs> I'm afraid of homework, miss. <laughs> oh, I'm afraid of this class. I don't want to be here. Can I go home?
0: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no, you can't. Sit your ass You're down. You're going to enjoy drama. Sit down. <laughs> We're looking at... We're looking at public speaking today, so shut up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we should go. Otherwise, we're just going to be here all night chatting, which doesn't bother me, but I'm sure our listeners might have somewhere
0: to go or something to do. (laughs) Thank you so much, Kate. I had so much fun.
1: Excellent. I love talking to you as usual, Dom. And thank you so much to our listeners for listening. Please tune in to our episodes weekly. We release them on Fridays. We love you so much. Send us a DM. And
0: share, 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 share. Tell that friend of yours to listen to us. Shit! Sure. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> bye! Bye.
1: That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials.
1: Next week we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in.
0: And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. bye